welcome to episode 629 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, January 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and as another fireside chat, I'm joined by Nick Pollock. Nick, what's up? What is happening? We're going to talk about pitchers again. It's great. We are. It's 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 that time, and uh, we're going back to the positivity end. Uh, we got some favor favorable comments about the the fades that we were doing last time in the top fifty. But since we're moving to fifty and beyond, I don't know that the fades make as much sense because it it really opens up. We talk about this all the time. Really, at like thirty, it opens up, and you can go so many different routes. That uh, yeah, we can mention a few guys here and there from fifty and beyond that we don't like that much, but. It's, they're easy to just avoid because you can just the, the ADP is so wild. Like the the min max picks of these guys that we're going to talk about today vary so much that you don't really need to focus on the guys you don't like because you're not kind of you're not really boxed into them. It is wide open here. So we're kind of going 51 through actually about 125. We we're going to do 51 to 100. But then there was another little group there that I know that we both like some guys from. So I wanted to include them just to maybe get a late mention in the show. But we're really going to be focused on this uh, this 50 to 100 range here and kind of talking about the guys that we like in each grouping and, and the guys that we're moving up so let's just dive right into it and start at 51 through 60 here and um you know there was a couple guys that we had briefly talked about in a previous episode a couple lefties john lester and sean newcomb lester i think actually dipped a little bit because i want to say he was in the top 50 yeah, and since like 40 random numbers 50, yeah so he, he fell down a little bit we talked about him in the same cole hamill's realm of like it's fine. We don't care. We, w- we wouldn't really necessarily target him, but the pick is not egregious. But the other lefty, the youngster, actually, we go the other way here. You know, we talk about fantasy ageism. We're going the other way. We're disliking the youngster a bit. Sean Newcomb at 54 is somebody that really stands out as, as, a, as a fade because of all the guys we like below him that we'd rather have, even if the prices were the same. So, He's a 54 there. Who's the first guy in the 51 to 60 that you actually like as you run away fast from Sean Newcomb? So relative to their price, it's actually not that startling here to me. Obviously, I'm going to mention Josh James at 56. I'm a big fan to. of him. Uh, we, we've talked about him a good amount. As far as the guys past 50 that could hint at top 25 upside, Josh James fits the bill. Uh, with three pitches, electric stuff, etc. And it does look like he's going to have that playing time um, in Houston. Uh, it looks so like far. Colin McHugh would get, I, I imagine, the fourth spot, even though it's really spot, only yeah. two solidified at the moment. It was, did I forget a signing? Because it's just Cole and Verlander at this point. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so, because, yeah, McCullers is out. Uh, Morton uh, got Morton's signed. Morton's gone, and... And Keuchel is still out there, but I don't think they're going to sign but I, him. I really don't think they're bringing him back. I really thought between the two that they would maybe bring back Morton more so. Sure. So, so I don't think that they're – so it looks like uh, – I think it's, yeah, for, right now, roster resources, Verlander, Cole, McHugh, James, and Framber Valdez. And you want to know the funny thing? Colin oh. McHugh isn't even on this list. No, and that was actually a mistake though because I looked at him and I almost put him – and I was like, he's actually a reliever last year. Should I include him? He's around. Let me see where he's where he's around. Because, yeah, I absolutely looked right at him. And I said, you know what? Maybe I should include him. And I went against my better judgment there. And I will tell you where he sport. is. Now, I know. Um, now, big I'm props garbage. to Al Melchior. He took him in the last round of the, the Pitcherless Experts mock. Uh, that you were in as well, Spore. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of McHugh coming into this year. I actually wrote about him entering 2018. And then, of course, they had all these extra options that he got pushed into middle relief. 
But I do think that McHugh could easily be a sub four ERA guy, maybe even like a three five. It's not even out of the realm of possibility. He did that in twelve starts, two thousand seventeen, uh, with that new Brad Peacock slider. But anyway, Josh James, he can probably fill in as a four or five. I don't really see why he wouldn't. Um, I see also sixty two Forrest Whitley. I don't actually expect him to get starts out of the gate, or maybe I don't not either. even I halfway gonna... through the year. Yeah, I think it's going to take a while right. for for Whitley. I'm sure some folks are saying that that Framber Valdez, like, oh no, maybe that that's going to leave it open for Whitley. I actually think they're going to sign one other guy. I don't yes. know who it is, but someone who's kind of solid, if unspectacular, and it's and he might take that fifth spot or take the four and move James down to five. Uh, I, we both love Josh James, and it seems the market likes him quite a bit too because this is a this is a a. a a decent price. It's not something that I find egregious at pick 203 by any stretch, but uh, the market's there ready to pay for him. He's going to be age 26 too. So while he is a prospect, he's not one of these young guys that you have to worry about and say, well, you know, they can hold him off for this amount of time or, or, or whatever. He wound up last year with, with about 135 innings ish. I'm eyeballing it uh, for Josh James. So there's no reason that he can't come out and get a full workload. He's a strikeout stud. He actually limited his walks pretty nicely in his short MLB sample. We'll see if that continues. That is kind of one of the things on his ledger to work for. But he also had uh, a high home run rate. So maybe it was one of those trade off sort of deals where he's a guy like so many others we've talked about with the electric stuff where they have to balance the command and control and say hey don't just put it in the zone to make it hittable and let it leave the yard i'd rather you walk the guy and and, and take your shots with the next guy than uh than do anything where the where the long ball becomes an issue because it wasn't an issue in the minor leagues for james i really do like him he's probably my favorite in this 51 to 60 group it's Hyunjin ryu john gray john lester uh sean newcomb kevin gosman james joey lucchesi Alex Wood, Kenta Maeda, and Ross Stripling. I love Ross Stripling as well. I know Dodgeritis is there. Uh, it is absolutely a concern, but I think it's baked into the price here because I have Stripling ranked much higher. Obviously, I know I don't need to take him up there. Uh, him going at pick 222 makes it very easy to uh, to take Stripling at a fair cost. Same with Maeda. You know, that's the thing with Dodgeritis. There's just so many. There's just so many strong right. pitchers that they have. That's why it is such a problem there. I want to ask you about one guy in particular, though, who got away from Dodgeritis but did go to a bit of a tough park, Alex Wood. He's going to have that clear path to get as many starts as he as he can handle. And he's had some full workload seasons. This is not a situation where we've never seen it from Alex Wood. He actually has a couple uh, 180 and above seasons, I believe. Actually, excuse me, a, a 190 and a 172. But, you know. He can he can make it for through a full season, I think, pretty capably. Do you up his value because of the volume in Cincinnati, or do you push the other way because you're worried about any potential home run spike with that ballpark for Alex Wood? How do you feel? You know, it's it's kind of funny. Actually, when uh, the trade happened, I made a tweet about it going, oh, man, I don't think enough people are realizing that Alex Wood's value goes up. And everyone had pushback on this. Really? Uh, because uh, all because the, the tweets, park, right? yeah, they're like, oh, he's going to a worse park from L.A., fewer wins. Care. It's all about the volume. Uh, exactly. The fact that we had no understanding of how much Wood would be on the hill for the Dodgers, at least starting the game. He had 27 starts last year within 33 games, 150 innings. But he, he still has a lot of good stuff inside of him. He actually pulled down his fastball for more breaking balls as his fastball got a little bit worse. And normally when we see a, an increased volume of secondary stuff, there's a give and take with it. Normally they get a little bit worse because they're being used slightly differently. 
his break, his secondary stuff is both his curveball and his changeup were both still valuable pitches. I uh, I really like what he's doing. I think he is going to be a sub four ERA guy. His he, he could easily go 180 innings plus right now. Yep. At 58 though, uh, it's just like right kind of where it's okay value. I could see him going like the last round of drafts, and that is where I would want to go after Alex Wood. But if I had to pay 20th round or so or 17th for Alex Wood, then I don't want to chase it. So this is a little too close to the market price for me to go after at 58. But I'm intrigued. I think he's better in Cincinnati than he is in Dodgers just because he has a clearer path to playing time. Yeah, I fully agree with the uh, with, with the better outlook for Alex Wood. And I've never been a huge Alex Wood guy, so uh, this is coming from normally somebody who's on the downside saying, hey, this actually opens him up for me as somebody that I'm considering a bit more. He's always been a sub-four guy, as you mentioned. 329 for his career, 121 whip. Has gotten strikeouts in the past. Has a good swing and miss capability. Always a good ground ball guy, too. So I don't know that you should overrate fear of the park there. Cincinnati is a worse park, but I don't think that it's so destructive that it's all uh, automatically going to torch somebody so like you said this is about market price you're looking at around a 15th round pick for alex wood it's fair uh, but not as n- not as uh not as much thievery as we might have thought we could get with somebody like alex Wood. i i, I would be wondering uh maybe i should do the check of from the time that he was traded what his adp was versus now and oh, see if he's actually yeah. gone up because um i wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the NFBC market actually pushed him up. Despite what you heard on Twitter when you when you made the tweet, I think the NFBC market understands, hey, this is a chance to get 180-plus innings, and we just don't have enough guys like that. Right, so, right. Uh, anybody else in the 51 to 60 range that you really want to talk about? Uh, not really. Joey Lucchese looks about right at 57. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm still writing that piece uh, for Rotographs about uh, what to expect from him because I think he – there are certain guys every year like John Gray at 52 even. We always – I don't know, uh, dance around it because we don't know what to do with John Gray. He just kind of goes in a fair but not really super valuable spot. He could be super ace-like again, but he's also in cores and he's gone through this tumultuous career. And then there's Joey Lucchese where we all really don't know how to feel about his chain or sorry, his His curve. Yeah, Uh, and he doesn't pass the eye test really uh, but I, I'm looking at two games for that piece and kind of showing what he looks like when he's good and what he looks like when he's bad uh, so that you can get a sense of what to expect from Lucchese or maybe we can't actually get any sort of understanding. So 57 sounds about right. Again, if he falls, he's a guy that had a K rate well above 20% last year, which is pretty shocking. And he will get as long of a leash as you want in San Diego. So sure, sure, there yeah. is something to be said about that from Lucchese. But at 57, that sounds about right. So... Uh, I have no real uh, emotions either way about that. All right, so let's move on to 61 through 70. And I I purposely didn't follow up and close the loop on the McHugh thing because this is actually where he would slot in. And uh, it would go Arietta, Forrest Whitley, Joe Musgrove, Tyler Skaggs, McHugh, Jesus Lazardo, Yulis Chassin, Steven Matz, Reynaldo Lopez, Jimmy Nelson, and then Julio Tehran. So let's talk about this group. I've got quite a few highlighted. And, of course, like we just said, you could fit McHugh into that mix as well, and we'd both be pretty interested uh, at about, I guess that'd be pitch, pitcher 65, uh, two, pick 243 area. So um, starting at the top there between Arietta and going on down, who's your favorite? Who's your number one? Who's, who's the guy that you're like, you know what? Love him at this price. I'm going for this guy. It's, you might be shocked given the article I wrote for you. Oh, I know who it is. <laughs> yeah, it's Tyler Skaggs. 
I I wrote that article, Tyler Skaggs, the Tyler Skaggs myth. The Tyler Skaggs myth. And yeah. uh, and the thing that I I think I didn't give enough credit to was his four seamer elevation. Uh, that he was just essentially killing that. All of a sudden now a, a swing strike rate above 10% with the pitch uh, for a long time last year. And I think a lot of people were overlooking the fact that he had, I think, a 261 ear right before he got injured with that groin injury uh, at the end of the year. That made him have a blow-up. He won the DL, came back too soon, had another blow-up. Yeah, and was never the same the rest of the way. And that's why you have that 4-plus ear right now, despite the fact that he had that 2-6 when he was healthy. So I will go after that. He will also have that leash in in LA because who's going to start? Matt Harvey, Skaggs, and have so um, many scary guys health wise. Right. Cahill, I mean, Cahill Maria, is, yeah, you know, Maria, right? Yeah, Skaggs going to get all the leash he can handle to to put up a big season. And by the way, I I, I like that that you have you know something on record of like, hey, you know, Tyler Skaggs Smith. I'm a little bit nervous about him. Here's why, and then. Things changed. You saw things differently, and you you elevated him. Like we talk about this at times, and I talk about it with Justin. Being hardlined on a guy and just in, in the face of change. Like I, I'm not a Tyler Glass now guy, but if he develops and actually holds this walk rate down and really starts to develop, I'm not going to continue to just like say no and dig in. Like this is not a political stance. This isn't something where you have to like stick to your principles on something, particularly in the face of new data and, and evolution from a player and, or, or devolution, right? A guy that you like, if he continues to go down, don't just stay the course, adjust. And so you adjusted, you're on the Skaggs tr- train now and it's coming at a discount too, because I agree. I think people see that 402 ERA and get panicked and that's why I like to look at game logs. Not that you can take starts out and say they don't count, but it colors what happened. It's 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 worth understanding that in six and two thirds, he allowed 17 earned runs, did Skaggs. And that is a full 30% of his season earned runs. Like that's absurd. And that came in 5% of his innings. Like I think that that's something worth knowing. And I know some people don't like that. They say, call it cherry picking. Again, I'm not saying to remove those, but if those runs were spread out on a bunch of five inning, four run, uh, you know, seven inning, five run, or whatever, they were just spread out into a bunch of mediocre outings. I think that's a heck of a lot different than just two duds surrounding his injury and then he was elite otherwise. So Tyler Skaggs is a very interesting name. I like him as well. My number one, I've beat the drum on this for a while. It's going to be number 69. Very nice, Jimmy Nelson. Um, I think that uh, the price of coming back from a, a year off is it's built in uh, at, at, at that pick. Like you're, that's the normal pushback I hear. But that's why I'm getting him at 262. If I had to pay 150, then I would say, okay, he's missed a whole year. I don't know if I want to pay a top 150 pick. I will pay pick 262 for Jimmy Nelson and hope that he he spikes a a large portion of his 2017, if not a full return to 2017. So I like him a lot there as well. I won't beat that drum too much more here. Um, and well, then another one. Well, Go to ahead. that I'm point sorry. really quickly uh, about Nelson, it's really you have to have that mentality going forward. At least right now, we're in the the we're past 50 starters. Every single yes. one of these pitchers is pretty much going to have that same floor of you don't want him on your team. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, you can say whatever you want about Jimmy Nelson. Oh, it could be really bad. Yeah, everyone here can be really bad. Who are the people that have a realistic path to their ceiling, and what is that ceiling? 
Jimmy Nelson has a very realistic path to repeating a 2017 season after missing 2018. And that ceiling, even including the the spring where he hadn't changed into who he is now, that's still a 3-5 ERA with a 27% K rate. That it, right there is enough to go after him uh, within the top 70 starters. 69, fantastic value when you have Chassin at 66, where it's just, I'm not going to, you're hoping for mediocrity. Essentially, like slightly above mediocrity, I should yeah, say. Yeah, and he was he was fine last year, but I, that's a peak for Shasin. Right, you're not getting it. Like, and and you have to bet on Shasin. If you take him there, I think you have to bet on him to get a favorable outcome. You're really betting on him to repeat. And you know, I just don't know that that's something that I'm I'm really all that interested in betting on. Um, he might dip back to 2017, which was still plausible, 389, 127. But again, give me the upside of somebody like Jimmy Nelson who could spike something massive for me. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I, I, I prefer him. Um, also in that uh, 60, 61 to 70 range, I like the youngster, Jesus Lazardo. Now, he hasn't mm-hmm. pitched in the majors, and there is a bit of a premium tagged on there. at pick 245 for somebody who's never pitched in the majors. But he had a great multi-level season last year. He's a top prospect, uh, top one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, arguably the best left-handed pitching prospect out there. But... Um, Definitely the top prospect in Oakland's system. Big strikeout guy. Has multiple plus pitches. Uh, has a changeup that he has feel for. Always am a sucker for a young pitcher who already has that changeup feel. Only going to be 21. There's no need to super rush him. So I think you are invested to saying I, I'm going to hold him through at least all of April potentially before I can get a return on that. So keep that in mind. If you're not somebody who's patient and wants to do that, then don't take guys like this. But if you can ride it out and you have a deep enough reserve um, and, and, and you can wait up to a month, I think uh, Jesus Lazardo is somebody worth taking here and, and potentially spiking five big months from when he does come up. And he could be up you know, a couple weeks in, but I think you plan for a month and take anything better there. So that's a high upside type of pick. And you talk about liking these picks late in the draft as opposed to the stayed, boring Yuli Shasin, and they're going right back, back to back there, Lazardo Shasin. I think it's depending on the makeup of your rotation that whoever you would want to take. I think usually the Lazardo pick is 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 the one to go yeah. for if you've got uh, if you've already got some firm floor yeah, remember, guys. This isn't a best ball draft. You can you can replace it. The waiver wire is is there are a lot of options through the year for sure. And generally, I don't go after someone like Shasin. It's what I call a Toby for the most part. Yeah. Someone explain that- Toby because it's always funny <laughs> and a lot of people love this show. So if they've, if they've um, heard you say that, and they don't get it. Uh, explain Toby. I have, I have a ton of term. terms. I picture list over the years. It was, this was one of the first ones. A Toby is someone who's at the back end of your rotation who gets their work done, but you don't like him hanging around the office. Uh, obviously from Toby from the office. So you just like, yeah, he gets his stuff done, but you're never going to be thrilled that he's there. Uh, of course, Michael hated. <laughs> so, uh, so essentially, the equivalent for fantasy then is your guys that are just teetering, just like slightly better than the waiver wire options. And I personally don't draft that kind of stuff because I have to think that over the course of the season, I'll be able to find something that's better than your typical waiver wire options off the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. So, Shasin being so close to it, I don't really see the value of getting that. When we'll probably find something better on the wire during the year because this isn't a best ball draft. So might as well go after Lizardo, who you'll know, okay, he's exhibiting this greater upside. That's great. Or if he doesn't, we can just move on. And the gap of whatever I get from the wire is not going to be so much different from Chassin. So that, that's that's why I'm supporting this Luzardo 
uh, choice. Uh, 100%. I love it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you, you put that to the test last year in your pitcher roundup piece where you, uh, where you, where you pick guys every day off the wire you put a pretty stringent goal on yourself of i think 25 percent under 20 20 20 percent under so likely to be available in a lot of leagues and you put together a hell of a season so you know you kind of put it uh, put it to the test there to show that the guys are available off the wire that you can pluck now you're plucking you know one start a day but the the point is with that stringent of a of a uh, of a user rate of a roster rate i should say that that was tough you know a lot of people can do 40 even 50 and i'm like okay that's still good 20 percent availability or uh that means 80 percent availability that's wild and, and so uh the, the guys are too. out there the thing about that too is that i was able to i mean there's some that i had to stop choosing because they were on teams you yeah know, they, you pick they, that they up for one start or two and they're like oh cool we're gonna stick with holland for another start and he has a three-month run like mike minor as well uh, Zach Wheeler was involved in that. Herman Marquez uh, was involved on, yeah, in that. Exactly. Uh, Steven Matz's nice end. All little, uh, little, little interesting segue there, uh, unplanned. Uh, Derek Holland signed back with the love uh, it. Well, back with the Giants on a one-year deal. Love it as well. So Think you can again be somebody that uh, maybe you start the season picking him for that until people realize, hey, again that he's. He's pretty solid. I, I, I think that uh, Derek Holland's kind of an interesting back-end sort of filler there uh, for your roster. Not Now, he kind of toes the line. I think he's got higher upside than somebody like a Chassin, so you can still get some more. There's a little bit more gamble there to spike something bigger, but uh, obviously not quite the the untapped potential of a Jesus Lazardo. But he goes much cheaper, by the way. I don't even know if he made this list. Because... Derek Holland is at 120 here. I love it. I was going to mention it later, but let's just do it really oh, yeah, quickly right now. Uh, he essentially started throwing a slider a ton around June 20th of last year. Maybe it was actually I think it was the start of June. Um, he had like one game where it just went nuts. Uh, I'm looking at here. Yeah, 31% uh, against Arizona, and from there he was kind of dope. <laughs> he really, he really was, uh, and was he just impressive. He excelled with that pitch specifically as well. Uh, I I see him as a really solid like last pick again. Um, especially returning back in San Francisco. That's a fantastic park to pitch in. He's mm-hmm. going to have his leash. They're just going to let him go. Um, and again, yeah, he might not do so well right out of the gate. Fine. Last pick of the draft, you can sub him out. But uh, I, I mean, 120 here, that's incredible value, I think, for for Derek Holland. Yeah, and that's the 120th starter off the board, right. pitcher, pitcher-wise, when you factor in relievers. I mean, you're probably talking almost 200. I, I don't know if they're quite 80 relievers that mix in, but we'll say like 60. So he's almost the 200th pitcher off the board, pick 424 for Derek Holland. Going back to San Francisco, definitely someone to keep an eye on. But let's get back into the 61 through 70. Anybody else there? I know we've talked about Joe Musgrove. We don't really have to dive in. We both said that we kind of like him. Uh, anybody else there before we move on to 71 through 80? That was going to be it. Joe Musgrove with that money pitch of slider. Hopefully he can do that. 14% overall swing strike rate in his last eight games. So uh, hopefully hopefully you can take a chance on Musgrove and that that pans out for him. I still think there's more there. I really like him and and we we love our boy Tyone and I think they can make a dynamic one-two punch for that ball club this year. So keep keep an eye on that. Moving on to 71 through 80, we have Zach Godley, Trevor Williams, speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, Julio Urias, Marco Gonzalez, Wiley Peralta, whoops, forgot to take out a reliever there. I'm used to him starting, but uh, do not count him. Uh, Kyle Gibson, Dylan Bundy, Michael Waka, Carlos Rodon, and Sonny Gray. Still on New York, but should, should yeah, be out of there. I don't soon. actually really love any of these. There's only one that really stuck out to me. Obviously, there's the discussion to be had about Sonny Gray's value when he isn't in New York. 
Yeah, and, and that's why I highlighted him was just to say if and when traded. And they said he's going to be, so I still think he will right. be. I, I'm likely to like him a bit, um, but that's that's really it. For yeah, I, I would probably have him over most of these. The only other one I would consider here is Julio Urias. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think his skill set really does speak to being an ace. Um, it's just about how many innings and stodgeritis. I would think that they're going to limit him. It's just they about are. They've already when. Said so. Just it's just about when uh, are they going to limit him in the beginning of the year? Are they going to limit him at the end? Is it going to be the middle? I would imagine it would be a little bit of a delay in the beginning, just to, just to wait until someone gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, if if this is a roto league. And you can just hold on to Julio, then I'm going to do that because I, I really do feel that he can be a 25% K rate guy. And at this point, he's the one among these names that I would go for. Yes. And he was, um, he and Sonny Gray were the only two I highlighted uh, on my side. And I agree on Julio Urias. When he had the shoulder injury, it was the shoulder capsule, devastating injury. It was seen to be not quite a career ender, especially because the way we've, we've advanced with medicine, but a devastating injury that could really, really, really impact what he's able to do. But the fact that he returned last year, and obviously he didn't pitch a ton of innings, I think it was like uh, 10 in the minors, four in the majors, and then a few in, in the playoffs as well out of the bullpen but the fact that he was there his velocity was back his stuff was nasty that was encouraging even in a tiny sample he will be built back up as a starter this year he will also be limited innings wise but you talk about um you know getting somebody on the cheap for some periods of excellence you know think about if they they take their time with him in may or excuse me in april and they don't really use a fifth starter except maybe once he maybe gets two starts in in april but then they turn him loose from basically like may to july that period there, he could be one of your top three or four starters, realistically. Like, it, it's not out of the realm that uh, Urias could be that good for you in that period. And so I think people sometimes get too focused on the composite, both the bottom line of a player and the full season. And I think with some of these late picks, you can draft for the short term and you can focus on what what's this guy going to look like through June. And maybe something can fall through the cracks where it might not be so good from July on. By then, players will have emerged. You'll likely uh, be churning and replacing and finding other guys. So don't get so hung up on the fact that Urias won't be there for you in your fantasy playoffs, probably, if it's a head-to-head league, because – you're going to be managing for six months. There's several guys. There's probably a 10th round pick out there who's not going to be on your fantasy uh, playoff roster because of whatever reason, flopping or getting hurt or whatever. So I wouldn't get too hung up. I like Arias as well. That's a good call. I do want to ask you about uh, a couple other guys who who had some interesting periods last year, Trevor Williams and Marco Gonzalez specifically. They did not have the skills to really back it up. We know Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams won fantasy leagues last year 100% or certainly was a major contributing factor for teams that were, you know, flailing in the middle of their of their uh, standings and then their pitching took off where maybe their aces came together along with a Trevor Williams who was just devastating in that second half i wrote up a ton of pictures for the fantasy black book which is now available on amazon by the way and uh i did not include trevor williams because he's just kind of like i think he's just a solid low four zra guy i don't i don't think he was so lucky that to say like oh he sucks and that he didn't deserve any of that success i think he was pitching his best he was pitching his best. His luck was running the best. The defense was rolling for him. Everything was working at once for that run. But I think his true talent is like a 410 ERA, 128 whip. You know what I call him. 
He's a Toby as hell. No, he's not even a Toby. He's not even Tobias. He's the <laughs> he's the Andrew Kastner of 2019. Oh, gross. Now that's just a that's a hate crime. I think. Well, not New York. Well, that's so you remember Andrew. You remember, remember Andrew No, I know Cash exactly what you're saying. I'm, saying I, I, right. I'm just saying that's really mean to put on anybody. <laughs> but I know what you're getting at because his Sierra was so devastatingly high, much higher than his well, ERA. Well, it's more than that even. Uh, if you, I'm sure you watched some Trevor this Williams Trevor games. Williams, by the way. And his, Trevor Williams' games, the, the batted ball, some people say, okay, pitch to, to contact. There's been a lot of discussion actually this past week about pitching to contact. At least with the, with the pitchless staff, I've seen a lot of it on Twitter too. Uh, about the validity of it and talking about exit velocity averages, etc. If you watch these games, I at no point did I feel like I do with, say, Kyle Freeland about how well he's moving across the plate and with yeah. extra movement and really, really working at bats. There were so many times that I thought it was just a bad fastball, a little bit up and away, and it just was a drip, it was a you know hard hit ground ball right at the shortstop. There you go. There's an out. And so many times I just felt like uh, like Jesse from Breaking Bad, just saying he can't keep getting away with it. And Great that that was just that way. was just endless with Trevor Williams. I felt, and I really wanted to be able to say, "Hey guys, you know what? I know I've been saying all these things about him. I really sat down and watched, and I gotta say, he's just really working, guys. Well, that was not the case with what I saw. That's how um, I felt too. And uh, I often say this, context is just as important as results. I mean, I believe you'd be on the same page with me on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is definitely that case where, yes, those were the results, but the context he got them, it just does not back them up in any way in my view. So I'm saying far away from Williams. Um, You didn't mention Marco Gonzalez much uh, in that, but we were kind of talking about him a bit there. With Gonzalez... Yeah, what about he, his okay. run? Because he had a run of success yeah, too. So that was it's uh, you know scary. it's contingent on his on his cutter. Really, okay. um, there are things to like about him. There are there isn't enough for me to think that uh, that he'll avoid those bad stretches. Essentially, um, there are different. Uh, there's a range of pitchers, or it's, I guess tiers, where there are certain guys that they don't have it that day, but they have enough to get by in those bad starts so that it doesn't kill you. I think Marco Gonzalez is one where he doesn't have enough, so it will show when it doesn't work for a bit. And his cutter just was not going down in the zone like it used to. It was getting up way too often. I remember multiple SB roundups talking about it last year, looking at his strike zone plot and everything. And I don't have the full confidence that he can go more often down with that cutter and be you know work everything with that then he in you know just bad command on a given night. So I, I'm staying away from Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, I am too. Like he's someone I look at, and it, it's weird because it took so many years. But I actually remember writing him up back when I did the SP guide, and he was a prospect for the Cardinals, and he was supposed to be one of these high floor guys who could get there quickly. And and he did. I believe he debuted shortly after being drafted, like meaning the the, the following season. And didn't pitch well, and then injuries really ravaged him, and he kind of went off the landscape for several years. So to pop back up last year and actually be something might have surprised some folks who maybe weren't aware of his prospect pedigree. But I think he's a, a capable starter for Marco Gonzalez, and that that control can kind of keep his whip down a bit. He is very hittable, though. He's, he's a great difference between control and command type of guy. We talk about it a lot, where he can fill up the zone, but he isn't necessarily doing it with very good pitches. And so he's still going to give up hits, but the 
the walk suppression will mitigate the the damage on the whip so you can probably keep that that whip below 125 but then you're playing with the era fire there and uh, it's really going to depend on kind of kind of some of the babip luck and and home run suppression uh volatility as well so i agree don't really like him here there's too many other guys i like around him is the problem uh with, with marco gonzalez so, so i just realized something spore um what is the i know this is gonna sound really weird uh when you're when you're camping and you you what is the thing that you make to heat yourself a fire okay so so there are two types okay so some people say fire and some say fire fire right but you're a fire i like that fire yeah that's yeah. more fun like that's a like fires yeah, fire. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like fears as some people say oh man you know what I, you know what bothers me about when people say things like mike fears or whatever when did you ever hear that? Did you? If you ever watched one of his games, like when, like you never heard that. Nobody ever said that. So some of the mispronunciations, I'm like, when did you ever hear it said as that? Or or have yeah, you never? I, I think I speak for all of them because I do this more than anyone. Uh, I'm not, it's like not fears. King. Oh yeah, that's no, true. Yalik is the best. Yeah, uh, Christian Yalik. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's tough. You just your brain says something. You go, all right, buddy, we're in this together. Uh, I, I used to be do. the uh, I used to be the jerk on uh, message boards back in the day. I could really end the sentence there, but I'm going to color <laughs> it a little bit. Um, that would constantly correct people who put the U in Mark McGuire with the W, because mm. I'm like, did you read? Like this is back when people read newspapers. You read about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire hitting home runs. Did you see a U? No, you saw a W. Put it the way it is, please. It drives me. I nuts. mean. It, we're we're a site that still gets an apostrophe s with pitchers list. It's oh, pitcher yeah. list. It's, there's no s, and then there's some people add it belongs to the pitcher. The pitcher oh, list. The pitcher's or, list. It's just it's just pitcher. It's just list. pitcher's list. <laughs> it's but just I, pitcher's es uh, with an apostrophe with three apostrophes oh, at Lord. the end. Don't list. do this. You no, just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm spreading fake news for. Um, uh, a couple other guys, real quickly there. I've always been a Michael Walker guy. The price is super cheap. Can't stay healthy, but uh, I'm going to have a hard time ever quitting him, to be honest. He's going around pick 300 at 291. I probably will have at least one share of him again just because th- that's just the way I am. Carlos Rodon, you talk about the up and in, the high heat working yep. in um, with Skaggs. Rodon did a lot of that this year, too, but it came at the cost of his strikeout rate. Is there a scenario where he can work with that and still get the the pop ups and, really. and and mitigate righties while also getting back to the strikeouts, or is it an either or scenario? Okay, so uh, he can if he does that really well with his fastball. Um, if you notice, the walk rate went up because one of the yes up and in it was inside to right handers, but then lay off. Yeah, in the last month that those mistakes turned to over the plate as opposed to inside. He was missing the wrong side all of a sudden, and that turned into those home runs. Uh, the biggest thing from Rodon, and I, I think we overlook this a lot, uh, is that his slider isn't performing like it should. No. When he goes on those great runs, uh, I remember, oh, I can't remember the exact range, but uh, I think it was like 2016. When he was killing it, he went from a 35% swing rate on every slider to about a 55%. And he was getting the most out of a slider suddenly. But this isn't... This isn't something that is normal for Rodon, and he can live up and in with his fastball. That's a good thing. I liked that. But the fact that his changeup isn't doing enough, his slider isn't being that money pitch that it should be. Exactly. That's then he's never going to get there. So I, I'm not personally going to chase Rodon. Uh, it, there's just not enough uh, consistency, or I haven't seen enough growth through all these years for, him, for me to think that this is the year he puts it all together. 
I agree. And it's, it's like I said, it's somebody that I kind of, uh, I, I, I kind of stay interested in from afar at this point where I'm like, right. I want him to do well, but it's just not going to be on any of my teams. But if it does come through, I'll be like, cool. I always liked Carlos Rodon. I'm glad he's successful. Other team in my league, hopefully you're enjoying it because he is still just 26 and I guess there is a path, but uh, it's not here in the numbers right now where where it's easily identifiable because he doesn't sure. get enough swings and misses, as you say, and uh, he's just kind of all over the place trying to figure out a method for Carlos Rodon to work with. So, all right, let's move on to 81 through 90. I think you're going to love number 81. <laughs> Mike Soroka, Carbon Burns, Mike Miner, still likely to be traded or at least being discussed about being traded. Anibal Sanchez, Tuki Toussaint. Marco, uh, Marcus Stroman, Derek Rodriguez, Jacob Junis, Luke Weaver, and Freddie Peralta. This was an interesting group for me. There were several names that I actually had highlighted that I wanted to uh, make at least a, a cursory mention of, if not a full-on discussion for. Let's start with Soroka because I know you still love him. He's coming at a nice, juicy pick 304. Um, is he going to start in the rotation with the Braves, uh, in your estimation? Is it somebody that you've, you still like after you showed some early like? Are you still feeling this way as we, you know, reach mid-January? So I could talk a long time about pretty much everyone here. In yeah, this it's, a, list. it's a good, it's I an interesting grouping for sure. Also, could add the Toussaint. The, Toussaint. Uh, the, that's the most French I've ever heard you. I did that. Uh, <laughs> Toussaint. L'accent de français c'est magnifique. Anyway, um, Mike Soroka is amazing and. I really, really hope that the Braves go after him to be that that fifth starter out of the gate because they actually don't have a fifth starter right now. Correct. Uh, I thought that they would add someone. I thought that maybe they don't have a fourth starter either. Suck it, Sean. They don't really have a third in Julio Tehran. Uh, He's actually their second. It's got Fulte, Tehran, Gosman. No, Gosman's their second to me. Um, I mean, I I I tend to agree with that. Fair, fair, yeah. You're talking about roster resource, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Soroka should get that fifth spot to me. I think the Braves have come out and talked a lot about his future and saying Soroka we really do believe in. Um, obviously, his uh, his shoulder injury took him down at the end of the year, but I do feel that they've uh, they've essentially ramped him up properly so that he's not going to be lingering at the start of the year. Um, there are going to be a lot of dis- lots of discussion about Gohara as well in here and Toussaint. Um, the thing about Toussaint is that. I, I don't like him. I, I, I know it's shocking, but the more that I've talked... Actually, I talked about it with you, I think. Yes. Um, about uh, how Toussaint's repertoire just doesn't speak to consistent starting. And if anything, really, it should be a reliever uh, more than starting. Uh, just there isn't enough with that fastball that it'd be command or or velocity to be the proper supplement for his curveball and a splitter. That's just... It's not going to be the third pitch that it needs to be. While Gahara has a lot more of that electric stuff... And a developing changeup that I think is actually um, much better than it seems. I was actually talking to Jeff Davis, our injury expert here, mm-hmm. uh, and he was agreeing with me about Luis Gajardo's changeup, saying how surprised he was that no one was really talking about that, just his fastball and slider. Uh, but Soroka is, I think, the gem here. His command with his fastball is absurdly good. He's one of the very few people I've ever discussed having three fastballs. Um, he really emphasizes the ride on a two-seamer while also emphasizing the sink that? at times. Uh, Michael Soroka. Oh, it is Soroka. Yeah, okay. That's what yeah. I thought. So, I mean, yeah, I know he's the most appealing for you. And, um, you know, they could sign like a Keiko and still get him in the rotation, though. Exactly. So, I, I think that at 81, or I guess it's really 80, uh, I'm so in. Uh, I would probably have him around the 60s or so, maybe yeah. even 50s. 
Yeah, I thought this was a, a, a really great price for Soroka. And even if you bump him up all the way to his min pick, which is 265, would only put him up around Julio Tehran, who was 70th. And yeah, you can do minus one on everyone from 75 and beyond because I have Willie Peralta, but I'm just going to stick with the numbers I yeah, have here, fine. folks. I, for, I forgot to include, I forgot to eliminate old Wiley there. My bad on that one. Um, when we talk about one of his former teammates, who's now still a division mate, Anibal Sanchez. And, uh, you know, we talk about all these guys adding a pitch, and a lot of times it is the cutter, and he was very much a part of that. He, he found a cutter, and it completely changed who he was. And we saw him really fall apart and become a, a home run machine in the final seasons with the Tigers, despite still having plausible strikeout and walk numbers. And it shows you that that, that alone can't generate success if, if when you're not striking out or walking somebody, that it's going over the fence. And uh, the hits were up there, too. And, you know, the he just I don't know if it was something that he learned with Atlanta or if he had that ready to go if the twins had kept him on board too because people forget that the twins had him for a moment in spring training and they're like nah no thanks moved on from him he goes to the Braves and Anibal Sanchez had a fantastic season 283-108 ERA whip combo with a 24% strikeout rate I know he's going to be 35 but I'm still surprised that he's going down at pick 308 and that tells you about the depth of pitching and and how you can still find pitching so late and so I'm going to be on board here I think this cutter absolutely is a uh, is a game changer for him I think you can add a run to his ERA and put him at 383 and he's still viable 383, 125 with a 22, 23% strikeout rate. I'd be all in for that at this pick too. So that, that builds in plenty of regression for Anibal Sanchez. If the cutter continues to work and he keeps the ball in the yard at, and even an average clip, that's all he did. He didn't completely change his home run rate. It went to a, uh, 0.99 and 11.2 on the home run to fly ball ratio. Those are very average marks. If he just stays average with it, continues to get away from that four seamer in favor of the cutter and his secondary stuff, I think Anibal Sanchez is going to have a strong year with Washington, even if he doesn't obviously repeat his crazy sub three season. Right. It's um. I mean, that cutter really helped out his changeup too. He didn't Agreed. have to use the changeup in the same way um, because he had that cutter instead. It was also <laughs> I, I, I compare him a little bit to Colin McHugh in his breakout season. Because McHugh had that slider that was also really a cutter that would start up above the zone and then come back down yes. into it. And that's what Sanchez would do to get strikes plenty. And I, I find it hard to buy into that as a long-term answer. Okay, uh, I don't I don't know how sustainable that is from year to year. At the same time, his changeup was super good. 21% with, rate with a near 50% O-swing, just like the old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that he had this cutter to help him get strikes and set up that pitch better uh, made it even even better than it used to be. 15 P-Val after essentially only one season above seven or so uh, in his career. So I, I understand the appeal of Sanchez here. And again, as you mentioned, 84, good value. I'm with Surprised you there. to buy, yeah. But I, I'm not so sure that I can depend on it. But again, 84, I'm okay with that. That's the thing. Yeah, no one's taxing really the the, the season that right. Animal Sanchez had. And that's price. what I think makes him so appealing. Um, Corbin Burns is interesting. I know people yeah. like him too. But uh, I tell you. I still like the guy we're going to talk about in the next grouping, who, who, and they're both right there, Corbin Burns, and I'll just bring him in real quick, Brandon Woodruff, who's all the way down at 97. I'm still leaning toward Woodruff, but I like both. I, I really, 
I really think Milwaukee's going to not necessarily be their strength this year, but after a season where they were built on the bullpen and hitting and their staff was just ancillary to what they were doing, I think this year the, the staff can actually be a full-on asset um, with some of, the, some of the guys that they have, including Nelson, Woodruff, and even Corbin Burns. Burns could also be the multi-inning relief guy who piles up, say, even with a few, like, mix-in four to six starts and and a full-time relief role who could pile up almost 90-plus innings and be very useful that way, too, with a heavy strikeout rate. So I'm, I'm intrigued by both of these uh, uh, Milwaukee prospects who are going to be vying for a, a rotation spot, and the other could will, should likely go into the bullpen in a full-time role there, too. So uh, Corbin Burns in Milwaukee, do you have any uh, thoughts on him? Well, I would say versus Woodruff, I prefer Corbin Burns just because he has the best pitch of the two in his slider. Um, that had a 25% whiff rate in our swing strike nice. rate in about 200 thrown last year. Well, Woodruff doesn't have a single one over 15%. Well, you don't either, so. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, you don't know me in college. Um, that's true. That's what changed filthy. All right. Send me your uh, stat cast, Ada, please. <laughs> You're pitching. Um, but, I, but with Woodruff, I don't know if I trust his fastball command well enough to really bank on him being that fantasy relevant if he does sure. get that uh, rotation spot. While I could see Corbin Burns turning into a definite must-add in 12-teamers. So that's why I would lean Burns here. Um, I don't, and the market agrees. So, yeah, I'm not so infatuated with Burns. Uh, he is a two-pitch guy, really. Yeah. Uh, he's trying that changeup. It actually had some success last year, but I don't know how consistent he is with it. Uh, so, But I'm okay with it. I mean, a lot of people have been touting Burns. I actually thought you would be more uh, uh, receptive to it. Uh, but a lot of people have been talking about Burns as like the pick. you got to go get the sleeper yeah, pitcher. Yeah, see, it's Woodruff for me. I'm and not even necessarily the- there. Even the other brewer in this listing here, who I, I don't know if he's going to start the season with a spot, but Freddie Peralta uh, intrigues me a bit as well. I like, yeah, I talk about liking a young player that has a, a changeup uh, feel for. Her. I also like a young player that that has a very winning fastball too, um, and he absolutely does. In fact, oh, that's man. kind of all he has really. Right, going but to cores and showing that off was that, something else. That was awesome. I mean, that was just such a <laughs> memorable debut for Freddie Peralta, and he had some blowups, which kind of basically evened out some things and. and he wound up with a 425 ERA, but a 114 whip and a 30% strikeout rate in 78 innings last year. He's also a two-pitch guy right now. We'll see if he or Burns can kind of add that third pitch, make them more viable as full-time starters then and be able to get through the rotation that th- or the lineup that third time as well. That's that's why they're going to probably be five, five and dive type guys, maybe six every once in a while. You talk about IPS a lot, innings per start, and these guys could be low, all three of them really, Burns, mm-hmm. Woodruff, and Peralta, and that, that's what could kind of hurt them a little bit. But that's also built into their cost, so you have to keep right. that in mind too. So, uh, again, I like what Milwaukee's doing. Uh, just overall with their starters, and we'll see if they add anybody else either. But that you know, would also cloud the outlook for these young bucks. About Peralta, you say that he's looking for a third pitch. He's one of the rare guys I'd say has 1.5 pitches. Yeah, because it's really fair. like 85 percent fastballs or something yep. stupid like that, and it, then some curveballs ish, and then maybe like a couple changeups, and that's it. Uh, so At we'll least see. The I one mean, is super though, and it's a it's know, a it's right. a fastball. But then when it doesn't work, then it's done. just you're done. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. So it, it's that's it's one point five, but uh, yeah, you're totally right. If he does get more faith in that curveball in the spring and then touches on a changeup, then okay, I'll take a two pitch pitcher of Freddie Peralta. That sounds great to me. Agreed. Uh, so 
Yeah, very intriguing, and you're totally uh, totally right about uh, watching this one in spring training to see where the Brewers go. Um, I won't dive in on this because we talked about it when the trade happened. Luke Weaver, I'm in. He's so cheap now. People were taking him as like a top 30 pitcher last year. That was hilarious. Um, he's now at, here at 89, pick 325. I'll take my gamble there. Uh, I still think there's a lot of talent there. There's still work to be done, but of course, at this cheap, you can wait for the work to be done. Jake Junis actually has a money pitch with his slider, but uh, everything else is very poor outside of that pitch, particularly right. his fastball. Whatever the opposite of a money pitch, that's what his fastball is. It's a home run. <laughs> it's a home run giver up. Monopoly pitch. Yeah, it's it's monopoly money for sure. It, it's not even monopoly money. It's those little monopoly monopoly stickers that you get from McDonald's <laughs> that you put on the board. It's the uh, the the purple, the Mediterranean and Baltic of mm. of that because uh, it's just too many too many homers and. Yeah, he might get some regression closer to average, but I still think he's going to be an above-average home run allower for Jake Junis. So that has me a little bit cautious with him. Anybody else in the 81 to 90 range that you wanted to touch on between uh, Miner, Stroman, or Derek Rodriguez, really? No, man. I mean, with Stroman, uh, I put out a tweet showing the top 10 uh, ground ball rates of 2018, with Stroman Mm -hmm. being at the top around 62%. And essentially, the names in that list are not names you want to be associated with. Uh, And the argument I'm trying to make is that those that are... uh, I remember back in like 2012, 2013, though the big hype was we want high ground ball guys that have some strikeout ability. I do not believe this anymore whatsoever. Um, And it's... Seeing this, especially with that bad infield in Toronto, maybe it gets better, but we'll Bingo. see. Nope, that's that's a hundred percent it for me with him, because first off, turf alone is enough to dissuade me because it's a fast infield, and then Lourdes Gurriel, Brandon Drury, and Devin Travis, and eh, I'm out hundred percent. Right, so uh, he has to really change his approach, and he's not going to no whatsoever. Uh, so the only only guys I can think of that are successful as high ground ball people, Aaron Nola was at like 13 on the list at like 50%. Okay. But then again, Strom's at 62%. Uh, Keuchel was super good at it when he was in his prime, but I don't see that being Marcus Stroman. I don't think he has the other secondary stuff, even though like the, he- the slider can be so good. It's just he's not using it right. The whole thing, it just doesn't work. The so ground I'm, ball not, I'm stuff- not buying it at all can be successful but it is so content it used to be and you're right back in 2012 2013 it was just treated as like an automatic asset oh he's a ground ball guy so he's good right no does he have the context to turn those ground balls into outs because if not then he's a hit machine and then that homer becomes a three-run homer because he already has two singles on base and so i completely agree with you that it was just overrated blindly it can still be viable you have to have the offense and and ideally like the the park, which isn't the, there aren't many turf fields anymore, but if turf is, is making things faster and more difficult to make playable uh, for for the infield, you don't want that. So it's not an eliminator, but it's not. It used to just be like automatic qualifier. You're a ground ball right. guy. You're right. somebody I'm drafting. Not anymore. I fully agree with you there. All right. Let's move on to uh, 91 through 100. We got Matt Boyd, Michael Fulmer. Love that the uh, first two Tiger pitchers to show up on the entire list are uh, 91 and 92. That's sweet. Tiger's going to have a huge season. Zach Eflin, Mike Fears, Mike Fires, uh, Michael Pineda, Vince Velasquez, my boy Brandon Woodruff, Anthony Desclafani, Matt Strom, and Matt Harvey. Let's talk Michael Fulmer because I know we're going to have to say something about him. We've always been obsessed. 
health let's let's assume health let's assume a modicum of health here because um we're, we're gonna say that obviously so let's just put that on he's pitching where are you at now if you if you see a healthy Mike, michael fulmer in spring what is your reaction to that as far I'm as drafting so in i, okay. I mean I, the Still one thing i'm looking on at the one thing i'm looking at is how is he using his changeup? Yes. Uh, because that was the pitch. I remember when he first came up, was, the fastball was there, the slider was there, and he it took him like three else. starts to incorporate that changeup. And the second he started doing that was when he started having that Rookie of the Year campaign. I believe that was credit to James McCann, by the way, who really encouraged him nice. to dive in with it and, and just trust it and kept calling it. I, I, I believe I have that correctly. And it, it revolutionized what Fulmer could be. And the changeup was, was a key driver. Last year became a liability. So, so that's the thing, though. So uh, he had that. I want to call this correct, the the correct surgery, but ulnar nerve uh, yes. transposition. Yeah, well I think done. I got that right. Killed it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm so proud of myself. Um, Christian Yalek did that. I talking about <laughs> Jeff Davis once again. I our injury expert talking about how that makes your fingers numb. And essentially, that was trying to remove it, but there are ramifications to it that it won't. You won't get the feeling back even after the surgery for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to think that in 2018, he still didn't have the full feeling in his hand to throw that change up properly. And of course, you also have the knee surgery that he had. So that makes a little bit more sense, and it gives me a little bit of hope that he can get that feel back for his changeup. Meanwhile, his slider has been used as more of a whiff pitch, which is great to see, and he still has 95-plus heat, which is so good. So all three of those things, and the fact that he goes deep into games, uh, when I mean, when he's doing well, I guess. I when, yeah, say. when he's but going. He's, right, but generally, I mean, he was also like the king the king of the sixth inning blow up yes. uh, last year. It was absurd how ridiculous that was. I, I was going to just obliterate or start blocking people who would tweet me four innings into a start saying how well Fulmer was pitching. <laughs> I'm like, because if it's the fourth fourth or fifth inning, shut your stupid mouth. Okay? Oh, man. It was Wait always until, the fifth and sixth. Because it's coming. So it's, and, you were and so stressed. Every time oh. I was listening or watching, the t- I, I knew it was coming. And... <laughs> You could almost sense the impending doom with the announcers too. They they didn't want to say it, right? You know, they're not trying to. You got to do the fine line of not clowning your own pitcher, but also saying he gets in trouble around this time. Hopefully, he right. does well. Oh, that's a good change. Oh, that was a hanger. That's a two run homer. Oh, here we go. And you could just feel that they knew it was coming. Now, and so that's going to be key for Fulmer too, figuring out how to get through that lineup the third time. That changeup though, that's it. I mean, it's that's hundred percent. That's the third pitch. Everyone talks about third time in the lineup. You need that third pitch for then. Well, fine, but I mean, I have my own thoughts about how you use your pitches, but fine. Changeup wasn't really there. That would obviously be a plus during that time. So in spring training, that's the thing I'm looking for. If I could talk to him, I would just say, Fulmer, please just tell me how the changeup is. Are you feeling it? Because that's a feel pitch too, right? You can go back to the ulnar nerve situation. 100%. His fingers, if you can't feel what you're doing with it, that's such a feel pitch. It's so important. So that's a great point. We're going to be keeping an eye on Fulmer right now. The price is so cheap that I think even a positive spring would not raise him to a level where I wouldn't be interested in paying. So Fulmer, interested. Um, What else you got here in this 91 to 100? I mean, his teammate. Boyd, yeah, ninety one is finish. super good. Uh, that's so, that was so shocking to me. A fantastic finish as he, he increased velocity on his fastball by I think like a tick and a half even. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has such a good slider. No love. Uh, I'm surprised. I don't, I don't. I don't think that anyone really understands uh, that he has a sixteen percent swing strike rate with a forty eight percent zone rate. Cha-ching. That means he's throwing in the zone, and it doesn't matter. 
Yep. Um, yes, by the new qualifications, the 39% O-swing is still a money pitch because it's over 80% combined. Cha-ching, money pitch, all that fun stuff. 19 PVAL last year. That's essentially Bitcoin. 172 batting average allowed and about 900 thrown. It's a fantastic offering. And seeing the increased velocity on his fastball is just making that pitch better. And his changeup can get there. Uh, it didn't have overall success last year. 314 batting average allowed is so disappointing. Definitely made his mistakes. Four home runs and about 220 thrown. Mm-hmm. But still 15% swing striker. It had its moments. You can see flashes, um, yeah. And even just fastball slider, he's good enough to be better than 91. Uh, but at the same time, I think there is upside to be had in that changeup. I think it can get better. Uh, I, I'm in here at this price. 91 is is a really good, really good spot to go and take Boyd. I tend I tend to agree there with uh, with Matthew Boyd being somebody that you want to take a look at uh, as a late pick here because there is a little tinge of upside and even if he kind of just repeated a 439-116 ERA whip combo, you would find stretches of usefulness there. So you, even if you reserved him and he was just kind of going through the ups and downs there, you could still find usefulness, but he could be better. Uh, let's talk about Mike Fires real quick. We've been making fun of how people say his name. He had that great <laughs> finish there with the with with Oakland. Um, he's back with them. Obviously, it's a good park, solid team. I don't know how much we can really buy into it, though, because he's still a home run machine. We've seen him be good before. But even even with Oakland, and you might already be looking at it, but I'll just try to make you guess if you don't know it. 53 innings. What was his home run rate with Oakland when he put up a 374 ERA, 106 whip? I'm going to say it's super low. It was a 2.0 homer. <laughs> I knew it was one of the extremes. I didn't know which way you wanted. Yeah, go. yeah. So he had 20%, 21% homer to fly ball, which is egregious, and that will come down. So he's not going to put up a 2.0. But here's his season numbers for the last several years. 1-7, Mike Fires is a home run guy. You put him in any park, he'll show you that he can allow homers there. The one thing I did like with Oakland was that his strikeout spiked, but there wasn't really a commensurate swinging strike jump. There was a one, one tick jump from 8 to 9% on the swinging strike, and yet he boosted from 17 to 25% on the strikeouts. That's interesting. And uh, there really wasn't a major uh, pitch shift mix either, particularly for secondary stuff. If his fastballs actually went up and his fastball is not really a great swing and miss pitch, he can use it a bit up in the zone uh, and find some success with that. And that helps effective velocity because he only throws 89 to 91 for Mike Fires. So there's some things to like, but there's more to dislike. And I will say this. At least the market is not overcharging for the season and the finish that he had. He is coming at a very fair price. I just don't know that I'm going to be pressing my luck with somebody who's been a known homer machine and hoping to avoid that 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 fate this year and keep the ERA under four for a second straight year, something he's only done twice really or, or once really two back-to-back years of under four uh, and only one the one of those was only 72 innings though. So for me with fires, I would rather watch it from afar, and I hope he does well with Oakland because he's an interesting pitcher, but I, I don't think I can take him. He's a Toby if you're lucky. If you're that's, exactly because the homers are so what I want. scary. Um, all right, Michael Pineda's coming back. We've talked about him in the you past. You love too. Michael Pineda. I do not love Michael Pineda. I, 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 he At frustrates me to no end. What's going to be different? He, he's cheap, oh, yes. This is so interesting. But, okay. What's going to be different from the 437, 482, 439 that we've seen the last three years where he gets strikeouts, he limits walks, but he's the ultimate 
control over command guy because he just lays it in there, gets hit around with homers and hits. I don't see what's going to be different. What am I getting better than a 420-125? Okay. No, I mean, I'm not disagreeing here. I, I, I just remember... I guess I, I I remember you would always mention him returning. I, uh, I and, and yeah. that, I, I guess I took that as an affinity, and that's wrong on my part. No, no, it was just like, hey, he's coming back, um, you know, something off the wire, like a Michael Pineda. Now off the wire, right. yes, but as somebody that I'm drafting, not so interested. I guess this is almost a waiver wire type pick at three thirty nine. The price is right. You're right on on that with Pineda, but at this point, I, I just. Uh, what what is the the quote everyone always uses? Insanity is uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different. At this point, age twenty nine, I just don't see where he's going to be different than what we've seen. And there's going to be bouts where Michael Pineda looks like a stud, and he's going to ruin it all. Usually in like one or two starts. That's the tough part too, is that when he comes back down, you lost all your good work. It's like you're working on some long project, and you worked on it all night. You cram it for it. I got this fifty page paper. Something happened where you had a surge protector or, or the surge and the power went out and Microsoft did not save it and you lost the entire article. Like that's that's what it is with Pineda. Five excellent starts, 170 ERA, all these strikeouts, and then a nine earned run outing in two innings. And it's all right. gone. So and that's what frustrates me about him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I see this list. I see a lot of guys after him that I'd much rather chase. Yep. Um, I can also I can also see a path to being productive for a team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his, his lowest uh, K rate in the last three seasons was a 22.5%. And that's, rate. by the way, I'm a reformed. 12% swing strike. Yeah. I'm right. a reformed Pineda-ite. And that's when I've, I've came to my senses a couple of years back and said, I'm going to stop chasing this, though. And so that, that no, I do 100%. see the upside. Now, and he is going to Minnesota. Maybe there is something to be said about going to Minnesota and mm-hmm. the change of scenery. And he does lower that home run rate to a reasonable amount of one of his career 120. Maybe that is enough for us to say, hey, let's say he gets like a 3.9 ERA for the year or four. And that comes with a 1-2 whip and a 23% K rate. Is that enough to be valuable for your team? Maybe it's a case of you have a ton of ratio guys and no Ks. And maybe that will help. I don't know. I can I can fathom it working for some people. It's not my my risk that I want to take. It's not the the, the lottery pick I want to try and yeah. scratch off. It's, it's not, not the scratcher me. I'm going for. I, I totally agree there with, with Michael Pineda. So it's a pass for me there. Um, let's continue on. Anybody else in this range here? Well, Do you want to say okay. anything about Harvey? There's, there's two really quick things. Uh, yes, Harvey is one. I made a bet with uh, the Welsh just because it was fun. Uh, I, I, I even openly called it a bull prediction, but doesn't matter. It's fine. I don't want to put any asterisks here uh, that Matt Harvey will have a better year than Marcus Stroman. Ooh, uh, I, I don't even know that that's all. That, I like that. That's interesting. It's uh, I mean, it's just the, I understand you see a five-year rate last year, but he also sure. increased his velocity with the Reds. And maybe he has, you know, maybe he has like the, the full rhythm with the Angels next year. He had mm-hmm. over a 20% K rate, etc. It's not, again, it's one of those I'm not going to take, but I wouldn't be surprised if people are picking him up in the first couple weeks of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Matt Strom, who I've been hey, I was gonna bring so excited about for so long. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I think it was the 2016 season. I always do a gift breakdown to start the year. And that's the one that I that I, I chose to choose because I, I loved what I saw with him the Royals. 
Uh, actually, maybe was he even on the Rays at that point? And then I think it was like a, a deal that sent to the Royals. I don't remember. No, no, it was anyway. A, it was, well, he might have been in their minors, but he's only pitching the majors for the Royals and the Padres. Oh, yeah, right. Lefty Matt right Strom, going to be age 27, has shown some really good swing and miss. If he can mix it with something else here in terms of – well. Go ahead. No, you, you go off. Well, no, on, on so so I was thinking, by the way, the get breakdown was in Tampa Bay. That's why I'm thinking of that with that camera angle. But okay. uh, no, yeah, I wrote the pitcher spotlight. Matt Strom, the starter, uh, about like what it would be whenever he will get that chance. And the Padres have openly said that they want to they want to compete as a starter. They said uh, in spring training, I'm showing up to camp as a starter. As they Corey should, by the way. Strom. Eric Lauer so, should not be, Brian Mitchell should not be blocking <laughs> Matt Strom from an opportunity. Oh, man. But essentially what you're getting would be, it's a good fastball. He knows how to elevate that. And I've we saw that like mid to upper 90s even mm-hmm. um, with, with that heater. Two slider that acts like a nice cutter going away from lefties. Big curveball and a changeup that looked really nice at times last year too. The tools are there. It's so intriguing. I'm very much of like cautiously optimistic because I've been waiting so long for Strom to be a starter. Uh, but maybe this is it. And 99, sure, I'm taking that chance at this point. I'm with you 100%. That was going to be the one that I was going to highlight as well. Um, in addition to saying a little piece about Harvey, which you pretty much covered, is that there were some improvements despite the results not really necessarily showing it for Matt Harvey. I'm interested to see what he can do with L.A. Strom's a really good late-round pick. Uh, major strikeout upside deserves a full opportunity so that's going to close it out with uh, 90 to 91 to 100 now we're going to go 101 through 125 we're going to do quick hitters here so let's just start from the top um and and i'll say aaron sanchez jake odorizzi chase anderson trevor cahill justice sheffield those are the first five anybody you like there uh i would like to take a chance on justice sheffield just because i have the leash yes He's got a lot of capability to see what he can do with Seattle. I like Trevor Cahill as well. He always has a, a, a stretch of quality when he's healthy. Health is always a problem, but take the good stretches. It's built into the price 100% that he gets hurt all the time. So we don't really need to reiterate it because we know that's why he's so cheap. Uh, 106 to 110, Trevor Richards, Tanner Roark, Ryan Yarbrough, Jeff Samarja, Jose Urania. Go ahead, start with Trevor Richards because I know you got some good things I to love, say about him. I you turned me on to him, up. by the way. I love his changeup. I mean, we saw it right in front of us, Spore, mm-hmm. uh, and I hate his fastball. It's it's, it's so bad. The, the the juxtaposition of the two to have such a fantastic pitch uh, with the changeup and such trash with the fastball. Right? Did you did you read my player profile yet uh, that I did for? Oh, I have for, it. I can't. I can't it's, wait. Um, I mean, essentially, I, I call him Jeremy Hellickson, and hopefully, he will not go through Hellickson again. Because oh, that's, that's what so Hellickson accurate. was. Yes, that's it was such so a good changeup, but then everything else is so bad. Uh, so it makes me hesitant to actually go after him as much as I want to go after him. Maybe for streaming would times he, against like the Mets or something. But that's would he it. benefit from a cutter? Possibly. I mean, so I think everyone switching. honestly would benefit from a yeah, cutter. But, that's true. But but switching uh, it. But yeah, he needs he needs more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, cutting the fastball down to maybe like a thirty five percent usage and in, incorporating a cutter to get that, that might be great. Yeah. Up off of for Trevor Richards. So. He's, He's young. Maybe things will happen, yeah. We're going to speak well of a lot of these Miami guys. The only problem is that division is so brutal. But yes. talent can trump. So don't completely uh, uh, run away from these guys just because of that division. Guys like Trevor Richards, somebody we're going to mention in the next, in the next uh, quintet here in a moment. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough, you know, if he's Not in that same role again, I think the where I love him, I love him in one specific thing. It's such a context-specific thing. Head-to-head where you have starts limits. 
Yeah, it's, it's so perfect. Obviously, I'm not the I'm not, you know, splitting the atom on this. Everyone knows it. And yet he still appeared on my waiver wire in such a league all the time because people still couldn't justify really hanging on to him. So we passed him around the entire league. Everyone got a taste of those. I think it was 16 wins or whatever. But that's that's where his viability is. He's a he's a solid, if unspectacular arm for that. Uh, anything on Jeff Samarja? Uh, I think he's actually a really good discount. So cheap. Uh, it's uh, it's yeah. There is a worry about his shoulder, but he actually even came out and said that he needed time for it to rest, and he never gave it that because he had the shoulder information in March, and okay. then never gave the proper amount of time for that to heal. And he said that this is the off season for healing, for resting, resting. Uh, I want to call it like resting with a purpose. I like it, but uh, <laughs> but that's essentially what it is. And yeah, I'm never. I remember being a little bit high on Samarja last year about the adjustments he could make. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if he can erase 2018 completely and make those adjustments for 2019. But at 109, I mean, he, you're getting grouped into guys that have a lot of warts. And yes. with Samarja, it's just about we don't really know. I'll take that over the warts of Trevor Richards or Tanner Roark. I, I, I was cautious on Samarja. I think uh, when we were talking about him where, where you had him ranked in your top one, we had a top 100 dispute over him. At this price, are you kidding me? If you've ever liked Jeff Samarja and and you don't like him at this price, you're crazy. Because, I mean, you have to. I think you have to take a shot at this price. And, again, this is another one of those ones where you could raise the price. He could have a great spring and raise 100 picks. And he'd be going where Michael Waka and Carlos Rodon are. So I just don't think there's any avenue where he's not a fairly priced asset to take a shot on. That's Jeff Samarja still out in San Francisco trying to get healthy. I could see him as a real sneak pick this year. Uh, next up, 111 to 115, Caleb Smith, Gio Gonzalez, Yanni Chirinos, Sandy Alcantara, Jaime uh, Berea. Two Miami guys here. I know we love the first guy, Caleb Smith. Give us give us some thoughts on him real quick. I kind of I kind of like both of them. Yeah, we like we like both, but we love Caleb Smith. Uh, Caleb Smith, he um he's hinting at a money pitch with that slider. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, it's high 30s for both O swing and uh, swing strike rate. I'm uh, sorry, not swing strike rate, uh, zone rate. Um, where that could really be a devastating pitch, and he's really good actually getting whiffs on that four seamer. Uh, so there is upside here. I used to. Uh, uh, compare it to a discount Robbie Ray, I think that could be uh, close to his path moving forward. But again, lots of risk with shoulder stuff here, so we don't really know what we're going to get. This is a, a nice discount. It's not so much that I'm thinking I have to get it at this price, but he's intriguing there. And then Alcantara has a little bit more upside. I think his stuff is uh, can speak a little bit higher to a higher ceiling, um, but there's so much risk there. You don't know what his command is going to be like on a given yeah. day. Um, and I think Caleb Smith has a little bit more of a fathomable floor uh, than Alcantara. But both very intriguing guys. I don't think I'd chase Berea or Chirinos or Gio Gonzalez. I, I, I just don't like what they're bringing to the table. Yep, I, I think I agree with that uh, top to bottom. Jaime Berea was actually pretty interesting last year. He did some yeah. he did some intriguing things. I think at, at his price, there's somebody that, that could be worth looking at um, as, as a late stab there. I like what uh, LA's doing. I really do. You know, they didn't go super high impact in the market, but they're, they're filling in their holes, and they actually have a good farm system for the first time in a very long time. And obviously, they need a lot of things to work out with that pitching staff, uh, including Berea at the fifth starter, but with, you know, Harvey and Cahill, health 
health and even Heaney and Skaggs, you can just say really the entire rotation's health. Right. But if it does, they've got some good stuff. I think they should get one more strong reliever off the market, and then they they've actually got a club. Uh, they they run deep with their rotate uh, with their lineup as well. So Berea is somebody to keep an eye on as a, a a streamer type. I could see maybe a little bit of development from him. He came up. He was only 21 last year too, and and he showed some things at age 21 that uh, are at least merit well, some some consideration. He has two pitches above a 17% swing strike rate when his changeup and his slider. So there's something there. Uh, that slider was really good. Uh, pretty much a money pitch. 44% zone rate and 38% O swing with an 18% swing strike rate and about 800 thrown. Fantastic pitch. I just don't see enough from that fastball to really make me believe in him. Uh, it's it's a pretty weak offering. Uh, actually, even a sub-50% zone rate and not enough chases off the plate to justify it. So it makes me a bit hesitant. I don't think those two secondary pitches are enough. But yes, you're completely right. He is intriguing. I didn't give enough credit there. Uh, we did talk about him too. I remember yeah, earlier I in the season. Absolutely remember that. So um, keep it. Yeah, keep an eye on him. 22 years old, Jaime Berea out in LA. Uh, moving on here to 116 through 120. CC Sabathia, Joe Ross. Tyler Anderson, Brad Kellen, we already talked about Derek Holland. So anybody in that 116 to 119 uh, quartet that you like? Oh, man. Joe Ross is hilarious. I, I remember being so enamored with him like 2015. He was a sinker guy with a slider that was so filthy. And then Tommy John and everything just went south. And I do not trust his command whatsoever at this point. CeCe Sabathia might get some quality innings if you were trying to eat up some innings in a league. Uh, and also want to maybe some, get some cheap wins. I'm cool with that. I don't think he's going to be as effective as he has been in the past, but it should be a sub-4 ERA of like 150 innings. That can be pretty useful. Uh, Tyler Anderson, that's the intriguing one to me because he has a really, he has like a 12 plus percent swing strike rate. I know. Sport, that's good. That's uh, it really is good, good at this point. It is really good. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's obviously got Coors hanging overhead, but as we've talked about throughout with these guys that, that are going so deep, that stuff's built into the price. So it's like, yeah, right. you can point that out. He's actually shown some success there at times, not not last year, but in, in previous seasons. He's kind of intriguing. And if you could spot start him, I think that there's there is some uh, definite uh, interest to be had with Ty- Tyler Anderson. I'm surprised he's so low as the market kind of shifts to being open to Colorado guys. I'm surprised that he, uh, Tyler Anderson, was pushed all the way down to pick 421. So there is something to be said about that. Will I be going after him? No. But I would say he should be going over Joe Ross at the very least. Yeah, Joe Ross is like one of those that uh, almost in the Carlos Rodon category where I I like him from afar. I could see him being successful, but it's not really going to be on any of my teams. I'm just not going to take him at this point until I see something. All right, finishing it off 121 to 125. Danny Salazar, Danny Duffy, Lance Lynn, Seth Lugo, Wade LeBlanc. I'll just put in my two cents for Seth Lugo. He has to get an opportunity in the rotation, and uh, that's why I definitely should have included McHugh because uh, he's actually got a real line toward a starting job, and Lugo doesn't, and I included him. So that was my mistake on McHugh, but uh, Lugo, if he gets a look, I think even as a, a uh, swingman where he's going to pile up innings because he'll pitch multi-relief outings and get a few starts, but I think he should be starting over Jason Vargas in that rotation. I really like Seth Lugo. What about you? Any of these uh, five here that you like? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of any of them. Uh, Danny Duffy surprisingly had a good run last year, and there's a chance that that does work. Um, Lance Lynn, no way. Seth Lugo, you're definitely right that he is intriguing if he does get the rotation spot. I just don't believe in that he brings enough to the table. He has his moments, uh, but it, I don't think it's that consistent, honestly. Um, there's a lot of hoopla about that curveball, but it's okay. 
it's not it's not giving the results that you want that elite spin rate to to uh, uh, to produce. So I'm not so sold on that. Like let's say tomorrow it says hey Seth Lugo gets a rotation spot, he's not gonna jump up a ton for me. Uh, he will pro- he might crack 100, but that's about it for me. Yeah, I I would agree with all of that. Um, all right, so that's going to finish it up. I think that's we. It. Oh, that's Dan it. Salazar is another one that if he ever just, I mean, health is in, impossible right. to to bet on. So um, I could see him being like uh, some guy in June that we're like, remember Danny Salazar? He's awesome now, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, all right, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Those are the guys we like from pitcher starting pitcher 51 through 125 who are some of your favorites go ahead and leave a comment on either the uh, pitcher list post or the fangrass post or tweet us because we're always interested especially if we didn't mention them definitely let us know if there's somebody that especially if we were like hey we don't like this guy and you love him give us your reasons why and join the uh, pitcher list discord a lot of great chatter going on there that seems to be ramping up more and more each day as we get closer to the season nick we're back next week talking something pitcher related for sure so uh, have a have <laughs> a great figure week. it out yeah, you too, Spore. It was a great time. All right.